Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. You're listening to Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk Mississippi. Covering Mississippi State sports like nobody else. With Sports Talk Mississippi's Brian Haydad and Robbie Falk of 24-7 Sports. Powered by Taylor Construction Equipment. Whether you're looking to rent, lease, buy, or for service, contact Taylor Construction Equipment today at taylorconstructionequipment.com. Now get ready for Thunder and Lightning. This is Thunder and Lightning here on Super Talk Mississippi. Brian Haydad and Robbie Falk here with you on a Monday morning. Thanks for joining us here at supertalk.fm or wherever it is that you get your podcast from. We appreciate all you guys out there, our great listeners, especially our servicemen and women out there taking care of us. I want to thank our sponsors over at Strange Brew Coffeehouse and Churn and Spoon Ice Cream. Start your day the right way with a trip to the drive-thru over at Strange Brew Coffeehouse here in Starkville or at Brupolo over in Tupelo. It would be a little weird, Robbie. If Brupolo was in so-so. Yes, that would be weird. Nobody's nobody's thinking that's happening. I don't think. Maybe Matthew McConaughey can pull some strings after his uh um yes. his his rendition of the uh the family. What was the what was the the oh, family he was in in the first set of Jones? I, I don't know. Maybe he can pull some strings for us in so so. If you want some good coffee here in, in so-so, you just got to get over there to Strange Brew Coffee House. Right on, man. You get 25% off if you take your shirt off. <laughs> Wherever you are in our great state, you can enjoy Strange Brew Coffee every single morning. Just go to strangebrewcoffeehouse.com and order it to be shipped right to your door. Every morning, you can enjoy the good stuff like we do here in Starkville and Tupelo. Strangebrewcoffeehouse.com. College Corner, collegecornerstore.com. Again, I implore you guys to check out their for sale page on the website at collegecornerstore.com. They have a lot of great deals on some great uh, great merchandise there. I mean, it's stuff that's up to 50 60% off. So check that out. And, of course, you can always ch- shop at either of their two locations in the Jackson area. They're originally by Fleet Feet, flowed by the Half Shell. Or you can shop online, like I said, at collegecornerstore.com. Restaurant Tyler, Starkville's best restaurant for lunch, best restaurant for dinner, best restaurant for Sunday brunch. When you're best in all three, guess what? You get to be the best restaurant in town. And they have been since they opened their doors. It's a Starkville institution. It's the best blue plate in town, maybe in the state of Mississippi. And for dinner, you're going to be hard to press to find a nicer restaurant in this state than Restaurant Tyler. I can't give it a higher recommendation than that. Restaurant Tyler on the corner of Washington and Maine, Starkville's flagship restaurant. 16 flagship, part- you say? Uh, you know what? Anytime I can take the word flagship and apply it to something that isn't what you're thinking, I will. I will do that. Wait, what do yes. you have? You go to, oh, you went to Nukes today? Yeah, Nukes was good. I like Nukes. Uh, 16 Priority One Bank locations throughout central Mississippi. They're ready to serve you now. Go to PriorityOneBank.com to find the location nearest you. Open an account today and start building the relationship you want to have with your local banker. We talk about eat local. We talk about shop local. It's important to bank local, too. That way, if somebody has to make a decision about a loan on you, you're talking to the people you've already met, and you have that relationship with them. Not a not going up the corporate chain to somebody you've never talked to before. If you're a Priority One Bank customer, you know that their app is incredibly easy to use and navigate. It's a lot more than just moving your money around with the Priority One Bank app. 16 locations to serve you. Check them out today. Let Priority One Bank make you their priority. Mississippi State only had one more name called in the uh, 2023 in, uh, NFL draft. And, uh, you know, a guy we predicted to be drafted, but not the guy I thought was a lock to be drafted. 
and that's uh, Cam Young. He's he's headed to Seattle. I said it yesterday on Twitter. I'll, I'll stay. We said it on this podcast. I'll stand by it. We're it's 2023. If we're still doing this podcast in 2033, God help us. But I would fully expect Cam Young to still be playing in the NFL, still be taking up blockers, and still be a, a viable piece of a good defense. Wouldn't shock me. I'm, I've been on the Cam Young train for a long time, man. I, I just – he's got that, that old-school look to him. I mean, and I, I don't think that's out of style by any means. I think there's still a place for a guy like that in the league. But he is that – he's that guy that, you know, a few years ago – he might have been a second-round pick, a second or third-round yeah. pick. He he would have got picked higher because he would have been he would have fit the mold of that you know nose tackle in the NFL, blue collar, hard nose, just a guy that just eats up blocks in the middle, opens up space on the outside. He he's one of those that he's never. If you look at a stat sheet, you're not going to be just blown away by what he does. But it's it's a lot like Nathan Pickering, although they play. Different positions. I'm not Nathan Pickering. Uh, Jane Crumity. Mm-hmm. They impact the game in a different way, and they impact the game in a way that allows the rest of the defense to eat. Um, there's not going to be a, a ton of guys like Jeffrey Simmons out there that can fill up a stat sheet and do what Cam Young does, opening opening up uh, opportunities on the outside for defensive ends and linebackers, but. He does a lot of some of those same things that Jeffrey Simmons does, draws attention to himself, um, very good against the run. He's going to be a guy that can plug some holes in the middle. I just – I really like uh, what Cam brings to the table, and I think that's a great fit for him in Seattle, a place that in the past has had some great defenses. That They're not – I don't know what they've been of late. I don't think they've been as good as what they were when they were – you know, the the Legion of Boom or whatever they were. K.J. Wright was kind of, you know, in his heyday. But I, I think that that's a place that has been known for its defense in years past. I think he's a guy that can really help them up front. That 3-4 defense, I mean, Cam Young just fits in there like a glove at, at that nose tackle position. And I think he's a guy, you know, with the way they rotate defensive linemen in the NFL, he'll have some opportunities early to make an impact uh, for Seattle. So I, I agree with everything you just said. I, I think that it's a great fit. Um, it's a it's a it's a culture at Seattle that that is is sort of built around defense and being physical, you know, on both sides of the ball. And I think that that Cam Young's going to fit right in with that uh, up there. Got a couple of uh, former Bulldogs up there with him. Is Gabe Jackson still in Seattle? I know Charles Cross. No, he got. I think he got waived. Okay. Well, Charles um, Cross is there so this year. Yeah, so Charles, Charles Cross going to be there for a while. <laughs> I I would imagine they'll do everything they can to keep Charles Cross in Seattle as long as they. Uh, they possibly can. So good fit for him. And then I was really surprised, Robbie, that Tyrus Wheat was not drafted. Honestly, I was surprised he wasn't drafted ahead of 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 Cam Young. Um, he ends up signing an undrafted free agent deal with the Dallas Cowboys with an one hundred eighty five thousand dollars guaranteed. That's a large amount of guaranteed money for an undrafted free agent. That kind of tells you that the Cowboys are confident in his ability to make the roster. They already have a guy a more talented version of Tyrus Wheat, right, in Micah Parsons, a guy who can sort of play all over the field and do everything. Tyrus Wheat just gives them another weapon there. I, I like that signing for the Cowboys. Yeah, and the fact that they they gave him, I think, it was $20,000 signing bonus, Yeah, it really feels like they have plans for him. Mm-hmm. And that's a place where a lot of undrafted free agents get, their, get an opportunity mm-hmm. there. 
they're really high on those guys. They're that's Dallas has has been kind of a developmental um, program at times, I think, and I feel like you know they're they're usually pretty loyal. They're they're um, a, a franchise that I think, like I said, they like to take on projects, develop them into to something special. I mean, look at some of the defensive linemen they've gotten over the years that were just guys that were maybe not at the top of the rest of the NFL's list, but kind of freakish athletes that they turned into really good defensive players. I think Tyrus Weed has that opportunity to be a guy that makes that roster. And like I said, I don't think you just throw away, even with it being Jerry Jones, I don't think you just throw away $20,000 extra to get an undrafted free agent. Right. I think that there was probably – what that says to me is there's probably some competition for Tyrus Wheat. A lot of teams probably wanted him as an undrafted guy, and Dallas also has plans for him because I just – I don't think that you're going to spend that much extra on a guy just to make your practice roster just another guy that you're going to cut in, you know, four months. I think that there's a chance that he's that he can be playing for the Cowboys in some capacity – next year maybe not you know getting significant reps on defense but could be a guy that ends up making the roster i think he's definitely got those capabilities two other bulldogs sign uh, undrafted free agent deals randy charlton back in south florida he signs a deal with the the miami dolphins and then colin duncan has signed a deal with the los angeles rams i'm surprised i'm not surprised the bulldog safety was signed but i'm surprised it's colin duncan over jalen green are you surprised by that or, or yeah over- i I did think that Jalen had a higher ceiling than Duncan. I mean, we, I mean, there's still time, I guess, but a little bit surprising. Um, and I don't know if he didn't test well. I don't. I don't really know what his numbers were. Didn't he go to the combine? Jalen, I don't. I don't believe he did. No. Okay. Was it just Wheat, Forbes, and Cam? And Young. I think that's correct. Yes. I can't remember one way or the other, but um, I don't know what his what what his numbers were at pro day or what, but evidently that probably had something to do with it. But yet it is a little bit surprising he hasn't signed a, a deal yet. And I don't know how long I guess that's open for whenever. I, I don't know what the timeline is on that. I would imagine he would get some kind of camp invite or something like that. We've seen people with a whole lot less ability than him get an opportunity at a camp. So It'd be surprising if he didn't get an opportunity, but yeah, and um, you know, I've seen a lot of people say, you know, Colin Duncan should have come back to school. I think he was just ready to to go. I th- I think that he probably knew that it was getting it might be a long shot for him to be drafted. Uh, I don't think it was a, a thing where you know he thought he could be drafted in the first three rounds or something. I just think Colin was ready to to move on and um, as. As far as I understand it, he's trying to go to PT school if football doesn't work out. So I think he's just he was just ready to move on from college football, but he's going to get a chance um, to play a little bit with the Rams and uh, see if he can earn a spot. We shall see. Uh, like I said I, Green is a guy like I'm. I'm really surprised. I thought he was a, a good player for Mississippi State the past couple years. Solid, you know, not, not, nothing nothing spectacular, but a, a good enough player. I'm trying to think, if there's anybody and else talented? Yeah, I thought so too. LaQuinston Sharp's another one. I mean, just you know, a guy who's been a three-year starter at center. You think he would, he would have an opportunity to come in? And of course, you know, the, the week's not over. They they could still find deals for these guys, but and just not a very big guy. No, you know, I agree just with not. That. But I mean, you think about that though. Like the 
you know, people might look down on, you know, a guy being an undrafted free agent or whatever. I mean, Tyrus Wheat is about to make over $200,000 just to be undrafted and I guess basically, you know, at, at the worst probably cut or on a practice squad. He's going to get $185,000 guaranteed mm-hmm. plus the signing bonus. That's a pretty good living. Yeah. I mean, I would take that today. I would take it. Yes. Yes. If, if I don't make the roster, that's fine. You know, if you have, if you have something bad to say about me not making an NFL roster and I'm making over two hundred thousand dollars, I'm good with that. Yeah, I, I'm not going to sit there and complain about that at, at any point. So, uh, yeah, we'll see how it goes for those guys uh, the rest of the week. Let's stay with football for for a minute. We, I mentioned it on uh, Friday's pod, and uh, I have the interview up. Let's actually just go back to that interview now. Uh, it was, it's been on the pod this week, but we'll, or on the pod feed all weekend, but we'll go back to it now. This is Ben Portnoy uh, from the state. We're, we're going to talk about South Carolina. I think that's such a huge game for Mississippi State. So let's get. Our, I want to get Robbie and I's thoughts on that game uh, here on the podcast. So let's just go to the interview right now. We'll recap that. This is Ben Portnoy from the state telling us about the South Carolina Gamecocks. Let's continue the spring series here on Thunder and Lightning with a game Mississippi State has probably got circled on the calendar. I think it's a very, very important one. Joining us now, he covers the Gamecocks for the state over in Columbia, South Carolina. But more importantly than that, he is my handsome young son, Ben Portnoy. Glad to have you back on the podcast. This team last year, there was nothing in its first 10 games that would have suggested what was going to happen in the final two games, where they had probably the best two wins in recent South Carolina history, when they beat Tennessee, I mean, beat isn't even the right word. They crushed Tennessee and then took out Clemson uh, there in the regular season finale, but then sort of went back, sort of reverted back in the bowl game and didn't play their best. Was this South Carolina team the 10 game South Carolina team or the two game South Carolina team? Uh, I'll start with just the simple answer of yes. Like, I mean, I think that this South Carolina team is so confusing, right? Because what you said is true. I think you look at the Tennessee game and the context around it, right? South Carolina at the time, they're sitting at six and four. They've just frankly had their teeth kicked in by a really pretty mediocre Florida team uh, in a game that was really, really ugly. I mean, just a lot of sloppiness, nothing that inspired too much confidence. And I remember leaving Gainesville and everyone, we were kind of talking and, Discussion was, all right, well, South Carolina is going to go six and six, and maybe they'll go play in Birmingham or Tampa or something like that. You lose yeah. the last two games to Tennessee and Clemson. And frankly, like at that time, I mean, I was still pretty high on Tennessee. I, I had Tennessee at number one in the country, um, you know, ahead of their loss to Georgia and all of that. So you look at that, and then you get to the Tennessee game. Spencer Rattler's unconscious. He throws six touchdowns. I mean, really, it looks like, you know, I, I mean, the best comparison I can even think of is really it's like, you know, it's the kind of night where Steph Curry goes off for 65 points. Yeah. Like, it's just one of those nights. He just hits every throw. And I remember looking at my buddy kind of down press row halfway through the game and just kind of looking, and I'm kind of mouthing him like, what the hell is going on? Because, like, there was just nothing again. Like, there was nothing leading into that game where you kind of thought, okay, this is going to happen. They're going to go put up 60-whatever points on Tennessee. And, um, you know, and then to come back, beat Clemson the way they did. And in a game that was tight, but frankly, if you watch that game front to back, I mean, South Carolina probably – I mean, South Carolina was the better team, and I I don't think they were just one point better. Like, that was a game that South Carolina – they made some mistakes early but really controlled things, and you felt like they were in the game even when they were down, you know, 14, 17 points at a time. Um, And then again, the bowl game was, I think, interesting because they played really well early in the game. They came out, pulled out the stops, and started up early and had some chances to kind of stretch out the lead and just – 
depth issues and things like that kind of caught up with them and, and kind of, you know, for lack of a better term, hit a wall. So when you look at this team, I think they're probably somewhere in the middle between the teams that beat Clemson and, and Tennessee and the team that kind of was six and four going into that. Like, I think that there's, there's a lot of talent. I think this is a team that's going to be a little bit deeper as far as, you know, you look at what Shane Beamer's done recruiting wise and what they've brought in over a couple of years, there's going to be a little bit more um, feel for what they've got, at least depth chart wise. And, and you bring back a guy like Spencer Rattler, obviously there's always the the thought of, Hey, he can go and win us a game. Um, and I think that, I, I think that you're going to see, I think you're going to see a South Carolina team that will probably have a good that, you know, frankly, like this team could go six and six or they could go nine and three. Like there's a really wide range of outcomes here. And I think that, um, you know, Shane Beamer's proved that that they've been good for an upset or two most years. And, and we'll kind of see. But I mean, like you said, I think this Mississippi State game, especially given it's early in the season, it, it's a really I think it's like underratedly one of the most interesting games of the SEC schedule this year, at least sort of the first half of the season. So I sort of have the same question though we just asked, but it's about Rattler now, because again, in those two games, you know, he had been heralded at one time as a potential number one pick. He looked like it in those two games, but the other 10 games just inconsistent. I mean, up and down throughout the season, are we going to see a more consistent Spencer Rattler this season? I think so. I think there's also just a general comfort that comes with being in your second year in a place, second year in a program, second year with guys, coaches, et cetera. Um, you know, new play caller and Dowell Loggins who comes over from Arkansas. I, I think he's going to probably fit a little bit better. There's going to be a little bit more meshing and maybe sharing of ideas as far as what Spencer wants to do, what Dowell wants to accomplish um, offensively. And, and I think that there was, you know, not to say there was butting heads with Marcus Satterfield, who's off to Nebraska now, but I don't think that it was always necessarily, you know, it's the cliche thing, right? We talk all the time about how coaches put their, the best coaches put their players in the best positions to succeed. And it felt like at times South Carolina just wasn't doing that. And whether that's on Marcus Satterfield, Shane Beamer, whoever, like it just felt like that. And I think that when you look at Rattler's overall season, like there were always moments where he looked really good and the numbers didn't necessarily measure up. But like there were games like when South Carolina goes to Kentucky and beats Kentucky on the road for the first time in, you know, close to a decade. He didn't, the numbers weren't great. I think he ended up with like 170 some yards, 200 yards, but was like nine of 12 in the second half for 130 yards or something, you know, like he, he's, he showed these moments. He showed these flashes that you felt like it could be there and it could click, but it never really got all the way there till the end of the season. So I think again, like you'll kind of see somewhere in between. I think that like, there's a world where Spencer Rattler probably should be one of the probably three or four highest, uh, you know, should finish probably third or fourth in the SEC or top three or four in the SEC in passing yards this year. I think that you bring back Juice Wells at receiver, that helps. Trey Knox, who they brought over from Arkansas at at tight end, I think is going to be a problem for a lot of teams. Like, I think there's weapons. The running game's a question. They've got a lot of serious questions at running back, and I'm not really sure. You know, South Carolina had issues running the football last year, and they're in probably at a worse pitch spot at, at running back than they were a year ago. Kind of so leading think, into my next question there, yeah, because that exacerbates I, some of it. Yeah, yeah. Well, I thought I thought the the transfer of of Marshawn Loy was a surprise. I thought he was a good fit there at South Carolina. I thought he was becoming a bigger part of the offense, and now he's off to Southern Cal. He's traded one USC for another. Now he, he now like you mentioned. There's not a lot there at that running back position that scares you. Do they have somebody that they feel they can count on to run the football this year? I mean, that's the thing is like right now you look at South Carolina's roster, they've got three scholarship, well, I guess really two scholarship running backs, three scholarship running backs if you count 
Mario Anderson, who they brought over from Newberry, which is a Division II school here in South Carolina, but he was a finalist for the Harlan Hill Trophy, which is the equivalent of the Heisman Trophy at D2. Right. Um, you know, he had well over 2,000, 3,000 yards rushing in his time there. Um, he's a guy that I think can help them a little bit. Juju McDowell has been dangerous at times, but he's also 5'9", 175 pounds, sopping wet. So I think that he's not a guy that's going to be able to carry the ball 20 times in a game, right? Um and I think that then you look at it like to carry on Joyner, who who has been at South Carolina for, it seems like 25 years uh, and has played receivers, played running back. Like he's gotten some reps at, at, at running back um, after starting his career as a quarterback. So they think that he can maybe give them a little bit of a change of pace. But again, like there's still not really a true number one there. And I think that South Carolina's obviously hit the portal hard and really tried to bring in a running back because I think that, you know, Marshawn Lloyd for his quirks and, and things here and there, like he was still a really dynamic guy and a guy who could bounce off and create some issues for you on the, on the edge and with some serious speed. So uh, South Carolina's got to find something at running back because right what they're, where they're situated right now, I think is an issue. And I think that if they don't bring in a running back, there's going to be problems because, you know, you can say, sit back and let Spencer Rattler, Spencer Rattler throw the ball 45 times, but if you have no semblance of a running game, then it's going to create some predictability. Now that said, maybe they do some things in the screen game and the wildcat situation to kind of stretch things out and get sort of manufacture a run game a little bit or a short passing game that sort of replaces that on some level. You know, we've seen that with Mississippi State in the air raid a little bit the last few years, right? Similar yeah. thing. So um, I think you'll see that. But I mean, South Carolina running back is a big, big question mark. And I think that if they don't address it, it's going to really hamper what this team's going to be able to do offensively. Defensively, this team another just again just inconsistent. They 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 need to be improved defensively if they want to take a step forward this year. Where do you think they need to be improved the most? South Carolina de- South Carolina's defense is really interesting, and really the last two years have been kind of similar in that they've had really good moments. They've had some games where I mean they I think it was last year or excuse me the year before they led the SEC in takeaways. Uh, they they've been toward the top of the SEC and in, in turnover margin for the most part defensively, um, and have done a really good job there creating extra possessions. But they haven't had the pass rush has been a little bit questionable at times. Um, linebacker, there were some depth issues there last year with some injuries and things like that. But the secondary has largely been really good. Now you're losing two guys in Cam Smith and Darius Rush, who are both going to be you know Cam is a sort of borderline first round early second round pick. Uh, Darius probably a second round, third round guy. Like you're losing two legitimate NFL corners, but you bring back some real, real pieces there in in DQ Smith and Nicky Manwari, who were both freshman All-Americans last year uh, and were guys that I think are going to be only going to get better and and wouldn't surprise me if you find them on all SEC teams by the end of the year. Um, I I think that defensively, again, like you said, they need to be a little more consistent. They need to create some pass rush, kind of like we talked about with running back. They've got issues at defensive end. Jordan Birch and, and Gilbert Edmond are both off to Oregon and Florida State, respectively. And, you know, we were kind of jo- <laughs> we kind of half joked about it, but we went out there for the last practice of spring before the spring game. And there were literally two defensive ends on the field healthy. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I don't know if you or I has any eligibility left that can that can get out there and help out. But South Carolina has got to do something to find find some pieces there. And there's I, some I, won't, I won't say the whole quote, but I'm too old for that, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. I mean, I think the defensive end is going to be an issue. I think they're going to be better at linebacker. I think they're still going to be good in the secondary. I think there's potential there. I think that overall, like if you're just summing it up in basically one sentence, it's going to be a team that's a little bit lighter on experience. They're going to be a little bit younger, but I think there's a higher ceiling. Like they're going to be a little, they're going to be more talented, but they're going to be more inexperienced. So you could see a wide range of things here with the South Carolina defense. If we look ahead to this game against Mississippi State and South Carolina, 
And I tell you, look, the loser of this game is going to go seven and five at best, and the winner of the game is going to be nine and three. I mean, you don't have any trouble believing that, right? This is this is the swing game for both teams, I think. Yeah, I think so. And I think that like it's one of those games that both teams circle on the calendar and say, hey, we need to win this one, right? And I think that you know both Mississippi State and South Carolina are kind of in similar positions, I think, and it's on some level in the sense of like you're probably fighting sort of toward that upper second tier of, of either division in the last year that we're going to have divisions, presumably. Um, you know, I think that both teams bring back some experience, obviously two experienced quarterbacks. That's going to be a fun matchup. Uh, and I think it's a game that early on the season, early in the season, like kind of sets a tone a little bit. And South Carolina had a game like that early last year against Arkansas, where it turned into a shootout. And I think it was a final like 54, 42 or somewhere in there. And, um, and I think that when you look at games like that, like, this kind of feels like a game like that. Now it helps South Carolina. I think you get the game at home, you know, for Mississippi state people who haven't been to Columbia, like it's a really great atmosphere. And it's, it's, I think one of the more underrated probably game day atmospheres in the sec. Yeah. And I think, and I think that, you know, it's a tough place to play. And I think that that'll, that'll show out. I think it, you know, there's a potential for this to be a top 25 matchup, depending how the first few weeks go. Um, and I think again, two young coaches as well. I mean, Zach Arnett, obviously, and sort of one of his early, you know, big games and for Shane Beamer, a third year, but still, still a young guy at, you know, 45, 46. So uh, I think that this is going to be, it's a game that I'm really, really curious um, to see what happens. Cause like you said, I think that this is definitely a swing game for both teams. And again, like, I think frankly, like this ends up being a, a really, this is going to be a really fun game. I think it's going to be a really weird game. And I think it's going to turn into one of those games that we look back and think, man, that was like a really, really fun game that we didn't really talk about enough early in the yeah. season, like SEC at large. Uh, that should be a really fun one to, to watch, I think. I hate where this game is on the schedule for state between LSU and Alabama. I mean, that is yeah. that's a heck of a sandwich there. Uh, yeah. We're asking this question of everybody who does these interviews. So it's your turn. When we get to the end of November, state or uh, uh, Clemson, South Carolina wraps up. What are we saying about the South Carolina team? I think you're going to say, that's a good question. I think you're going to say that this is going to be another step in the right direction. Like, I think that the South Carolina team, if you end up going, even if you go six and six, get to a bowl game, go seven and five, eight and four, somewhere in there, like that's still a step in the right direction. And I think that, you know, Shane Beamer's gotten a lot of press about sort of the positive vibes and things like that. And I know people, you know, probably scoff a little bit and roll their eyes like, okay, they were seven and six and eight and five. You know, what are we really talking about here? I get that. You know, they haven't had that breakthrough three season. um, And I get that. But when you look at what Beamer and this staff inherited from Muschamp and sort of the mess that was in 2020, um, whether that's a product of you know the COVID year, which is hard on everyone, the coaching change, sort of where things had gone, just top to bottom, depth wise, uh, this was a team that, and I, I think you and I probably had this conversation when when I moved over to Columbia, you know, shortly after Shane Beamer got hired, was that you know if Beamer could basically just avoid going one and 11 in his first year, he could still sell a vision and things would be okay. And I think that the fact that they've done what they've done over the last two years is impressive. And I think you'll see South Carolina do something similar this year. I think if they go seven and five, eight and four, I think people should be really happy. They're on pace for what could be and and realistically could, should be a top 12, top 10 recruiting class, which is unheard of around Columbia. I mean, this is on pace to be probably the best recruiting class that, that South Carolina has ever signed, you know, with a long way to go, but uh, it's got that kind of feel to it. So if South Carolina keeps that momentum and, and finishes, you know, seven and five, eight and four and gets to a bowl game and finishes signing an, uh, another top 15 class or a top 15 class, like people should feel pretty good about where things are. I could be wrong. I don't think state's been to Columbia since 2013, which is crazy right. considering that this, they're in the same conference as South Carolina, but yep. long time since these two teams have met up. We'll see what happens when we get to there in September. Ben Portnoy from the state. As always, thank you for coming on, man. I'm oh, man. Appreciate you.
All right, thanks to Ben. Appreciate my handsome young son's time. Robbie, when we look ahead to this game, first off, it's in an absolutely terrible position for Mississippi State. It's between LSU and Alabama. Uh, the month of September is not a, a great one for Mississippi State as far as scheduling. You have uh, your FCS opener with Southeast Louisiana. Then you bring in an Arizona team that's obviously improving year to year. Uh, gave MSU some trouble a season ago out there on the road. Uh, they won't be a pushover, I don't think. And then your next three games are LSU at South Carolina at, and then Alabama at home. That's a really tough stretch to open the season for Mississippi State. And this game, in between your two absolute toughest opponents, it feels like a game State needs to win. They really need to be three and two coming out of uh, September at at the at the worst. You know, they'll have a chance against LSU. I would think. I'm not I'm not writing that game off as a as a unwinnable game, but it's a game I obviously LSU is going to be favored in, and they're probably you know probably going to be a, a relatively large favorite. This is a game where Mississippi State goes on the road. I feel like they have a great chance. I'm I'm emboldened by State's ability to win over, on the road over the past couple of years. Uh, they won at Ole Miss a season ago. Two years ago, they won at A&M and at uh, Auburn. So State's been okay on the wo- road with Will Rogers under center. This is a big game for the Bulldogs. Early on, you know what stands out to you about it? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of a, I guess maybe a swing game yeah. for State. Just, for sure. I mean, it's you're looking at, Maybe the difference in eight wins and nine wins, which I think is a big difference mm-hmm. in, in the grand scheme of things. It puts you in position to get the 10 wins, which this program's done, what, three times? Yeah. Two or three times in history? Twice. 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 No, three, 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 three. You're right. You're right. Three. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's correct. Um, so you're talking about, you know, you know, not, getting to nine wins with a bowl game, that's solid. Mississippi State's done that, but – that 10-win threshold has kind of eluded Mississippi State over the years. This could be the difference. And and who knows? I mean, State might just be terrible in year one under Zach Ornett. I, I find it hard to believe, but it's possible. We haven't seen him coach a sustained season yet. But this – and this is early on in the season, too, is what – is the big thing here. You can go from possibly losing three straight games here and sitting there at two and three – with the rest of the schedule ahead, or possibly beat LSU. That's I don't think that's a long shot, but that's you know that like you said, that would be LSU would be favored. And if LSU, if you beat LSU, this goes from trap game to letdown game. Yes, because so then it can be either one. Because immediately, if you beat LSU, you start looking ahead to Alabama, right? So. And that you know, if you win this South Carolina game, win the LSU game, you're sitting there at four and zero going to the Alabama game. It's probably a top fifteen matchup, and I'm not going to predict State to be Bama, but you look down the line, you got Western Michigan next. I mean, you got a chance to start five and one there. So you can you can be five and one at that point, or four and two, which is perfectly acceptable. Or you could be sitting there at you know after the Alabama game, two and three, mm-hmm. and now trying to scramble to get to seven or eight wins. Right. So right. I think that this game is very big, and this is a South Carolina team that got a little bit of juice. They had the end of the season with the the two huge wins over Tennessee. Basically, I don't want to say ruined Tennessee's season, but, I mean, Tennessee went from possibly in the playoff to just playing in a New Year's Six game, which is not – you know, at that point in the season – that that was a fan base that was hungry for the playoff, and South Carolina ruined their year pretty much. Mm-hmm. And then they beat Clemson and basically did the same thing to them. 
So it's a program that is learning how to win. And I think the biggest thing about South Carolina or Shane Beamer, I have not been a believer in, in Shane Beamer since he's been hired, but the man is recruiting his butt off at a place that has not traditionally been a, a big-time recruiter. He had a, a top-20 class, I think, last year. Right now he's killing it in recruiting, so he's just kind of building. And I, I don't know if it's – something that's going to be sustainable or not. But what we've seen from him so far is kind of a steady climb, and now he's making a big jump as far as recruiting is concerned. This is going to be a big game for them, too. Yes, 100%. Like I said, that's what I said to Ben, you know, when you look at Carolina, right, and their non-conference, I mean, you kind of – right now, I still expect them to lose to Clemson, right? So, I mean, you're talking about 3-1. and You have Tennessee and and Georgia on the schedule. So that's two more losses, in my opinion, right? So, you know, nine and three is kind of their their ceiling as far as I'm concerned. Um, Who's their their other West team is A&M. So, I mean, that's a winnable game for them. Um, So, I mean, this is the game, like you just said about State. It's kind of the difference between nine and three, eight and four, or maybe worse if you can't get, you know, out of the gates uh, really strong. I think they play Georgia early as well. So it's kind of the same situation uh, for these two teams. The the thing that, that that stands out to me is this, and it's what it's the first question I asked Ben is that this South Carolina team they played two games against Tennessee and South and Clemson where they looked as good as anybody in the country. They mm-hmm. could have beaten anybody on that day, but the rest of the year they were not good. They lost to Florida. Uh, they they struggled in other games. They lost that game to Auburn. They had no. They, not, not not Auburn. Who am I thinking of? But they. Maybe it was Missouri. Kentucky. They lost to Kentucky. Kentucky. And 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 it just that was a real I mean, I know they were missing uh, Rattler in that game, but they just they looked like they had no business being look, yeah. So this they were so inconsistent at, 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 and really no, they, they beat they beat Kentucky. Kentucky it was the other way around. I think I think Kentucky, Kentucky didn't have Levis Vandy. in that game. Yeah. No, they beat Vandy. Oh, they they got killed by Florida. Yeah, for, but they had another loss that that struck that really got my attention. I was just like, "What's going Missouri, on?" Missouri, Missouri, Missouri. Okay, the Kentucky game we had That's it backwards. Kentucky at. didn't have Levis. That's right. Yeah, and Kentucky lost to Vanderbilt. That's why you. That's why you know Levis should have been a first rounder. How how badly Kentucky played. I know. Yeah. Uh, regardless, but yeah, they got you know you like I know we'll break down their schedule um, during the summer, but it's not. I mean. North Carolina has been a competitive team. They've been really good, and it's out on the road. You're there, you know. That they might be one and two coming into that state game. Yeah, it's very. There's a, there's a very and that and that's a. It's, it's, it, it sets up just like state. I mm-hmm. mean, they got Tennessee right after that in Knoxville. State's got Alabama after after that game. So really, neither team. I don't think it's going to have a major edge in this game from a mental standpoint. I had not realized that until you just said it. But so state, this is state's three game stretch on the sixteenth of September through the thirtieth. It's LSU at home, at South Carolina, Tennessee at home. I'm sorry, not Tennessee, Alabama at home. South yeah. Carolina is at Georgia, state at home, at Tennessee. Holy cow! Yeah, what, it's, it's what almost the exact team. same. Yeah. So you're talking about if you're not careful, this is a three-game losing streak for somebody. And they actually – they might have a tougher slate to start the season because – Well, they got those State's two on the playing, State's playing southeastern Louisiana and Arizona. Arizona yeah. was awful last year. Yeah. I don't expect they're going to be that much better this year. I think um, they'll be better, but not 
Yeah. Not that much. Yeah. And and it's going to be in Starville. Yeah. So, I mean, the, they're going to be the ones that have to make the adjustment like State did last year. And State won that game fairly easily. State wants a 3 o'clock kickoff for that one. Yeah. Yeah. This ain't a dry heat down here, brother. No. But, the, I mean, LSU is, their, is the first real big test. But South Carolina is going to go on the road to North Carolina. Well, it says neutral. It's, it's, it's in it's Charlotte. A, it's, it's in Charlotte. Be, yeah. Okay. But still. Um, Furman and but Georgia, you're gonna get road. beat up by Georgia on the road. Like it's gonna be a physical ball game. State's gonna be pretty physical too. You got Tennessee ahead. I mean, it's I think both teams are gonna be dealing with um, the mental aspect of those two games. Wow, South Carolina legitimately could be one and four coming out of the month of South of uh, September. If they're if they're anything over that, if they're two and three. They're probably they may they're definitely going eight and four I would think assuming they don't have a, a slip like they did last year with Florida and, and like we were talking about so interesting game very interesting team we'll talk more about it obviously as the uh, the season progresses all right let's move on into the rest of the show that's brought to you by our friends over at the Mississippi Beef Council who want to remind you that beef it is what's for dinner whatever you're cooking this weekend and by the way it's 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 one thirty in the afternoon we're, we're sitting here recording Uh I got steaks in the fridge. They're going on the grill this evening. Mm. Forward to that. I really got to get a grill, man. We just so moved went, in the new house. I went to LB's Meat Market in Oxford on uh, on Friday. He said he had a little care package for me. I've heard good things. Oh, you, you need to go check it out next time you're in Oxford. I know, I know people don't want any kind of positive talk about Oxford, but I have heard really good things about it's, it's, that They gave me market. a box, and I got two. I got a, a bone-in Kansas City strip and a, a bone-in ribeye that he gave me. Oof. And then I went and picked up some fillets from uh, Kroger on uh, on Saturday, and that's what we're cooking. My mom's in town, so I thought I'd make her a steak. Oh, of course. So there you go. But you, I mean, you can't feed mom chicken tenders. No, no, no. So, and that's not and that's not all the guy gave me. He gave me a bunch of, of great stuff: some homemade sausages, some pork. I got a couple of like porterhouse pork chops from him. Mm. I'm looking forward to that. But this beef is the star of the show. Really looking forward to putting that on the. Grill. I need to be introduced to this man. We will make that happen. We could we swing an Oxford sponsor on Ooh. Thunder and Lightning? Could we make that happen? It'd be like the mega powers, the joining of the madness and the mania. Who's going to be more upset, state fans or Ole Miss fans? That's the big question. That's a good question. We'll have to think about this. This is a, was the discussion for another. Who can day. be more angry? Yeah, it's. I think both equally probably. Probably. Whatever you're doing this weekend, though, if you're firing up the grill, I hope you got some beef out there on it. Nothing beats the sizzle of beef on the grill. Beef, it's what's for dinner. Thanks to our friends, the Mississippi Beef Council. Two Brothers Smoked Meats in the heart of the Cotton District. I'm coming up on my Two Brothers uh, two-week notice. and that I, If I go more than two weeks, I get shaky. Gotta, I got to get out there this week. So you'll, you'll be seeing me at Two Brothers probably uh, sometime this week. Hopefully with Robbie Falk. We'll see if we can make that happen. Yes. Um, because it's just the best. I, it's it, you know, it's great barbecue. Don't get me wrong, but it's so much more than just barbecue when you're at Two Brothers. It's smoked Southern soul food. And like I said, the summer is almost here upon us. The weather is getting warmer. That means heading outside, sitting out on the patio, enjoying some live music at Two Brothers. Maybe they'll have a crawfish boiler too this summer. They always do, and they're always awesome. Keep a, keeping abreast of all information with their Instagram page. They can always let you know what uh, what uh, specials and what uh, upcoming events they have. Two Brothers Smoked Meats in the heart of the Cotton District, the home of smoked southern soul food. Great products and great service is what every business likes to offer you. Advantage Business Systems, they have delivered it to you for 48 years. 
That's a long time to be doing anything in this world. It's certainly a long time to be in business, and you can only do it when you take care of your customers. When you need new technology for your business, when you need copiers, printers, computers, laptops, information systems, mailing systems, call Advantage Business Systems. And then if you need service, you just call them back. And you get to talk to the people who made you the sale. No 1-800 number, no call center on the other side of the world, no out-of-state technician who's going to make an appointment with you, and maybe he'll be there next week. All done here in the state of Mississippi. A lot of your problems can be solved the exact same day. 601-362-9192 or visit them online, absms.com. Find out how Advantage Business Systems helps your business do business. The Collegiate Collection at the Rogue is the top of the line. It's the best around. It's got everything you're looking for. Great name brands, great styles, and the logos that you, the fan, want. If you're tired of having a banner rim take up three quarters of your stomach, you need to head over to the Rogue and get a nice, simple, understated, stylish polo or quarter zip. They've got it all. They've got great, great, great options there for you to check out. And don't forget, when you shop at the Rogue, you're supporting the Bulldog Initiative. Shop at the Rogue in Jackson. Shop online at therogue.com. Don't live the three-stripe life. Shop at the Rogue. Dolce, Starville's newest home for breakfast over on 509 University Drive. Great place to get a morning cup of coffee and then a great place to grab a bagel or breakfast sandwich. Whatever it is you're looking for from Dolce in the mornings, they've got it. They've got the pick-me-up you want. And then in the afternoon, if you just want to give yourself a little sweet treat, their gelato is to die for. A lot of people haven't heard about Dolce yet, but people are finding out. Get there while you still can before the lines are walking out into the door. Dolce at 509 University Drive. Robbie, I've come to the conclusion with baseball that the only news people want is who's getting fired and when. Like, I mean, what else do we say about this team, Brian? I mean, it's uh, like I, I don't know what else we can do. I mean, because it's just copy and paste mm-hmm. every weekend. They've completely wasted what might be the the best offense that they've had. It ha- it is the best offense they've had since 2016 in my estimation. And they've wasted um, a really good transfer in Colton Ledbetter. Hunter Hines, is, at least in two years of his career, is not going to go to the postseason, and he's going to be known as one of the greatest home run hitters in Mississippi State history. And it's just it, – they even had, a, I thought, a really good offensive weekend against a strong pitching staff. And it didn't matter. They scored – Seven runs in game one, eight in game two, I think, and they got a lead in game three. They had a lead in all three games, lost every single one of them. Mm -hmm. They're averaging like seven runs a game, I think, in the last two weeks, and they're one and four in those games. Yeah, one and five. I I didn't count the the Friday game with Auburn because they only had like two, one run. Two to one, yeah. Yeah. the Saturday game, I'm sorry, the, the Friday game is the most disappointing, though. You're up 7-2. to two, You're just rolling along. Yeah. And then you make a pitching change. You know, Gartman, bringing him back was good. He had a, he struggled a little bit, but he, he left with the lead. And then Colby Holcomb comes in, and he looks like the Colby Holcomb of a month ago where he can't get anybody out. Uh, and, you, and again, it turns to a situation where you're walking guys, you're having defensive lapses. Yesterday, Saturday's game was just an embarrassment. Walk, walk, three-run homer, walk, walk, three-run homer. That's how the bottom mm. first went for Tennessee, and it's 6-1. to one. And there's another three-run homer in the second inning to make it 9-1. to one. I, 
you knew they were going to get run ruled, which they did for what the fifth time this year. That's pretty, I mean, that's that's embarrassing. I don't has any nobody else has been run ruled that many times in the conference. I can't I can't believe they have. And so now that's that's where Mississippi State fans are. They don't really care about the games anymore. I, I don't think they don't care. You know, you can you can cover like, am I going to be in the press box this weekend? Eh. I mean, I, I'm have I'm having to have conversations with Danny. Like, we we should probably cover high school baseball playoffs this weekend because it's just it. I mean, this doesn't sell. Nobody wants to read about this team or watch this team anymore, man. Nobody cares. They do care, but, I mean, they're at the point now where they're just like, just get me to the end of the season. You know, it's just – and it's sad. You're, you're two years removed from a national championship. And I'll tell you, I don't think there's – I don't think there has ever been the um, – I don't know, like publicity might uh, – publicity may be the word, I guess, but – the following from Mississippi State fans with baseball is has been as strong as it's ever been since that national title. Mm-hmm. Like the last the last two years, you've had the you know huge crowds. It doesn't matter you know really what the team been doing. The crowds have just been insane. So the following has gotten stronger and stronger, and the team's getting worse and worse. Mm-hmm. State's just completely blown it. They've they've blown their opportunity to build on a national championship. And that falls on Chris Lamonis. It falls on Scott Foxhall, the whole staff. And it's been disappointing to kind of watch it unfold. They're going through the same – I don't know what's going on. They're going through the same thing at Ole Miss. I mean, they're, they're, they they basically can lose one more game and then they're they're done. Uh, but State's oh, heading would, that direction. I would tell you that Ole Miss is done as it is. They're, they're not going – they're not going to make a Hoover. I mean, well, if they, if they, you know, if they, 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 they have a better chance of making a Hoover, I think, than State does, just because because of the, you know, the nature of the schedule, no question. Right, I mean, but, but it's like I said the, last week. You know, people are looking at Ole Miss on their schedule and saying we have an easy. You know, we've talked about you know Ole Miss has it easy. Well, they're second to last in the league or last in the league, whatever it is at this point. Yeah, I mean, Auburn's looking at them and saying we can beat Ole Miss. Alabama's looking Alabama. at them. Who else do they got? Missouri. Missouri. Uh, yeah, and Ole Miss does lead Georgia as we're recording two nothing in the bottom of the first. So I mean they're, they're looking for their series. first series win. Yeah, they are, and I mean, we'll see if they get it or not. Uh, I, I agree. I, I don't think either team from from uh, Mississippi is going to be in Hoover this year. I just I just don't see it. The, the winner, the loser of the Missouri Ole Miss series will not go, and the other team will probably be Mississippi State. Yeah, I just don't know what. I don't know what the answer is. I know everybody wants a, a coaching change and all that, and I, I feel certain based on, you know, what I know that there there will be some change in leadership with the with pitching, but I I don't know what the correct thing to do. I, I mean, I don't think there has been a coach fired two years after winning a national title. Like four results. In baseball, I mean, obviously in football, you can say Gene Chizik. Yes, in baseball. Ed Orgeron in, 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 in football. But baseball, yeah, because it's such a different animal. Because for the most part, your top programs don't just collapse like this. I mean, and it's not yeah. like Mississippi State was a flash-in-the-pan national champion, right? It's a team that had been to Omaha three straight times. They've been 12 times in their history. They have a, one of the longest and proudest baseball traditions of ever. The the, the the common phrase with Mississippi State was, this is the best program to have not won a national title. Then they won a national title, and you think, okay, 
they're about to take off. And instead, they have not only have they, you know, taken a step back, they've taken two or three steps back. You know? What's the, the most frustrating thing about it, I think, Brian, is like they've continued to have good players in the field and at the plate, and they're producing offensively, mm-hmm. but their pitching's giving them absolutely no shot. No chance. No chance. They, the, 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 the pitching has been a total disaster from recruiting to development to every. There's nothing good about what Mississippi State has done. They have missed on so many guys. I mean, they have guys on the staff right now who cannot compete at the SEC level. I mean, do you, have I got to say names? Tyson Harden can't compete at the SEC level. Graham Eintema cannot compete at the SEC level. And let, let's go back to that. Did we talk? We talked about that the other night, I guess. Though, yeah. like, you, you just Chris Amonis just like lit up Tyson Harden on Tuesday night, mm-hmm. and I, I don't want to pick on him, but this is a. I mean, this is a coaching thing. Like you, you just went off on this guy because he didn't come in and do what you wanted him to do, and then you bring him in at a moment in that ball game the other night when you need a shutdown inning and he doesn't do what you need him to do just like he did Tuesday. So what, I mean, what are we doing? Don't put him in that position. Yeah. Yeah. He's, I mean, he's got, I mean, and that's not even the kid's fault. It's, it's gotta be a situation where you got, you have guys, you feel like even Holcomb is a guy like prior to this weekend, you felt good about, right? Right. Holcomb, Nixon, Sierra for, for, for the most part. Um, Casey Hunt sometimes, but those are always your gotta be your first options. And, and then after sat, if, if if they use them up Friday Saturday and they can't, they're not there for you on Sunday. Then just don't worry about Sunday. Just do the best you can. But yeah. you, you can't put these guys in these situations because they can't do it. They just, they yeah. can't. And yeah. I'm not being mean. And that's, yeah, that's not taking out. shots. It's not. But this is this is a different level. This is this isn't. Little league baseball, yeah. like there's Chris Amonis is getting paid like over, we assume over two million dollars. I don't know what his yeah. salary is, but you know these coaches are not they're they're not you know devoid of any kind of criticism, and it's uh, you have to be fair. Their job is on the line here. Mm-hmm. They have to get the job done, and they're not doing it. They've produced back to back teams that are among the worst in the league. Last year they were last in the league. This year they're trending that way if mm-hmm. they continue to lose. And I'm I'm looking at these next three series. You can make it swept out again. I mean, I mean, might, I could see, I could well. see. You know, I would predict two more wins. The thing I is, I think that I think they'll, I think they can win a win a game against Arkansas, win a game against A and M, maybe maybe three more. But mm-hmm. that gets them back to nine wins, yeah. nine wins. And look at it like this, right? Arkansas is battling to stay as a as a top eight seed. And state's been terrible against them in yeah, the last I mean, few years. Good teams. The, the, the state's nineteen and twenty-one teams that went to Omaha and won a national title were swept by Arkansas. Um, LSU is the number one team in the nation. It looks like they're finally going to get their first sweep. They, they, I think they, they're trailing L- Alabama as we speak. But yeah, can I, you imagine state trying to pitch against them? No, Man, that's an absolute disaster. Tennessee and, and, is on the same level as them right now. A and M got swept this weekend by Arkansas. They're going to be on the bubble. They're going to need to win that series to make sure that they're okay. So, on top of that, State's RPI is just continuing to drop because they can't get any wins. Yeah. So it's just a nightmare. And like I said, at, at this point, the only thing State fans want to know is who's who's the new coaches. You know, is it going to be Lamonis with a new pitching coach, or is it going to be a whole new staff? That I don't know the answer to at this time. I know which way. This I is, would, uh, 
But this is going to be a huge off season for Zach Selman because there's there's going to have to be some conversations. There's going to, I mean, you, there's not you're not going to get away with just another mulligan year. I mean, it's just it can't happen. There's got to be some changes in some form or fashion. And I mean, I'm just being honest. There's there's no way you can put that same group out on the field next year. Agreed. Can't happen. Agreed. Um, and I and I'm not. I'm not calling for anybody's job or anything. I'm just saying that that's that's the only thing that's going to be acceptable for this fan base. Everything we just said, to quote a great philosopher, that's not an insult. It's just a fact of life. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I mean this, and and this is this is tough, man. I mean, like these are people's people's livelihoods are on the line. But if you, we've said it every week, without the production, you cannot continue to. Go on like nothing's happening. Coaching is no different than any other job. It is results-based. Yeah. And if you don't get yeah. results, you lose your job. That's that's true if you're a fry chef at McDonald's all the way up to a CEO of a company. People lose their jobs when things go bad. And that's just how it has to be. And unfortunately for Mississippi State, that's the point they're in after two years. Last year was, you know, you, you, you give them that, all right? You had some injuries. They'll bounce back next season. They haven't bounced back. Something has to change. You can't just keep doing. You can't just keep doing what you're doing. State found that in football out with Jackie Sherrill, right? They had yeah. the one bad year. Okay, well Jackie won't have two bad years. He'll bounce back next year. They go three and nine, and it was like maybe we should give more. No, you should have changed then. That was the time to change. And instead, you go two and ten, and then you hire Sylvester Croom, and you see where you see where that's going. So in the SEC, if you're if you're not getting better, you're getting worse, and it's. Something that can really kind of snowball in a hurry. There you go. I'll, before we go, I, I'll I'll say one thing that I've seen just because you know a lot of people are like, what is what's going on? Why is this happening? Why why can't they get the pitchers right? What I, we don't understand. When I look at, I, I think it stood out more this weekend than it has in other weekends. When I look at Tennessee's approach on the mound and Mississippi State's approach, I see two entirely different approaches. Mm-hmm. And it's showing up also in the stat sheet. Yeah. And that is the fact that Tennessee had a lot of guys coming out, and you see 95, 96, 97 mm-hmm. on, the, on the radar gun. They're throwing fastballs. They're throwing a lot of fastballs. Yeah. And if you can hit it, that's, that's great. Mm-hmm. But they're going to be in the zone, and you look at – they have a 3-3-8 earned on average throwing – a heavy, heavy amount of fastballs. And let's look at this. 497 strikeouts, mm-hmm. 115 walks. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, State is bouncing, breaking balls to the plate. They're nibbling around with a, you know, a slider, you know, on the outside, uh, a changeup. You know, th- those pitches are good for secondary pitches, but you're throwing them first pitch and you're getting behind in counts. And sometimes it's just as easy as just going up there and just saying, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna pitch to contact here. You're gonna you're either gonna swing and miss or you're gonna hit it. And it might be, you know, a home run or it might be in the gap, or more often than not, it's gonna hit one of my guys and we're gonna get an out. So state's throwing a bunch of breaking balls up there. They have an earn run average twice what Tennessee has. They've thrown well over twice as many walks. They've had 255 walks. Tennessee has 115, I think I said, mm-hmm. and 455 strikeouts. They have less strikeouts than Tennessee. 
Yeah. I think it's a lot of times it's as simple as, you know, the, I think the state's just the approach is not good. The approach is not what, especially this day and age and when you have track man and, you know, the zone is so much tighter. I mean, sometimes it's just as easy as just throwing the ball in there and making them hit it. Yeah. And they're not, they're, they're not doing it. So in conference play, let's just look at those stats. Tennessee's team ERA is 4.73, okay? State only has two pitchers with an ERA under 4.73 in conference. 4.73 historically is not great. Not great. You know what? That would that would give State a lot of wins. Aaron Nixon at 3.52, Kate Smith's at 4.26. Currently, Gerangelo Sanjay Lofton, Hunt, Tapper, Forsyth, T- Tyler Davis, Gibbs, Harden, Eintema, and Stennett are all in double digits from with Stennett at 45, Eintema at 33. These are ERAs. ERA of 33, of 31.15, of 27, of 24. I mean, it's only a few innings, but it it just shows you they don't have anybody they can trust to throw. Even the guys they bring in a lot. Casey Hunt's ERA is 11.78 in conference play. I mean, it's it's 2017, but worse. You remember 2017 when they had like six pitchers they could trust? To me, this is worse. Because it's not all about injuries. Just guys just can't get outs. There's nobody that you feel good about, and that that's a problem. That you you there's that is not a recipe for success. I would rather this team be loaded down with pitching and not be able to hit. By the way, just to prove a point here, that 2017 team that you're talking about that had all those injuries and everything else, their team ERA was 4.96. Yeah, and we thought that was we thought that team was. Just could not pitch. This, this team's ERA currently is six point. Uh, no, hold on, let me that right. Six six. I'm something. sorry. That's that's overall in conference play. It's nine point eight two. They're giving well, up. What what is it? What is it overall right now? Six point six two. Okay, so point zero four away from this being the mark of the beast. <laughs> it feels like the devil. And this season, this season's been from hell. So that yeah, would line been. up. So there you go. All right, tomorrow's show, uh, we got another SEC preview. We got Tennessee tomorrow. Uh, We'll talk a little more spring football or a little more MSU football, uh, and then we'll see what else we can come up with uh, between now and then. I expect some recruiting news to start dropping at some point. We're getting to that point in the year where State starts picking up commitments, and and then for basketball as well. So we'll talk about Yeah, and shout-out to the softball team. They won the series against top 25 Kentucky. They're winning as we speak. And I'm telling you, man, there's like that team, like they oh, they just got a, they just got a home run, so it's five two now. They get it together. Like last year, they went through the same thing. They struggled for a while. They lost 14 straight games, and a lot of times, you know, that'll really kind of wear you down. Yeah, they have a chance to sweep Kentucky. That'll be, I think, their second sweep. Yeah, well, and they, this is all about six when they of got their wins. Will have been in one two series. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this, this has been this was about when they got hot last year. So I mean, if they See can, what happens? They can get something going here. They got a chance, yeah. All right. Talk to you guys tomorrow. For Robbie Falk, I'm Brian Adad. Thanks for listening to Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk Mississippi.
Super Talk Mississippi media production.